Good morning and welcome to another Morning Java brought to you by our friends at the Get-Go Cafe and Market where right now it's pumpkin season and they actually have two different pumpkin milkshakes. I went there after I think we shot like our last one. Two different kinds. They got pumpkin spice and pumpkin pie and they're both uh, crazy. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to be getting those as long as they can until falls over. But uh, we have uh, some Penguins news since last time we talked. Tristan Jari um, signed a uh, new contract. So uh, three years at uh, 3.5 million per year, pretty reasonable deal, um, and it kind of solidifies him as their number one goalie. I mean, it, it it does. Dave, what did you think of the the signing? Is that kind of what you're expecting as far as term salary? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I think it would have probably cost them a little more of a cap hit had they gone for more years, because he would have been giving up some unrestricted seasons. Uh, in general, I, I think it was a, a reasonable deal for, for both sides. Uh, you know, it, it's a nice bump in pay for Jari. Uh, let's the Penguins solidify that position for, for the next three years. Not, not that they were in any terrible straits in, in that position, you know, if for even for the decline in Matt Murray's play over the last couple of years, you know, it, their goaltending was hardly a disaster. But, uh, you know, Jari earned the top spot. He's going to be paid uh, a, a reasonable salary to, to fill that role. And as you say that, and as Jim Rutherford uh, said uh, when I spoke with him after the deal, this pretty much clinches that Matt Murray is, is the goalie who will be traded. Not that that's, I think, a surprise to anyone after the, the past few months, but uh, it you know all that remains now is for a deal to actually be struck yeah and looking at the um comparable goalie contracts to you know closest ones to the ones jari got cap friendly tweeted out um a few the most comparable one is like philip grubauer he's pretty much same term same uh same salary uh riddich in in calgary is pretty similar and then um Leakins, he's making mm, half a million more in columbus and I mean, at least with like you know Grubauer and Riddich. I mean, I'd I'd take Jari over over them. Um, Merzlikens is another young guy, but I mean, for, if you look around the league, it's it's definitely pretty fair. Um, definitely good for the Penguins given the the flat cap. But um, so I mean, he's he's the number one now. He hasn't been a number one at at this level. And I know when um he spoke to the media, uh, he was asked you know, about, you know, stepping into that, that role in the NHL level. And um, he kind of answered it the way he always answers everything. He never, he never uh, too high, too low. He's just like, you know, I, I, I did that in Wilkes-Barre. I played a lot of games. So. Um, yeah, he did. And he also did it for a very successful junior team in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So he has been in situations like that before, but that's probably part of the reason the Penguins were able to get him at a relatively modest salary for a, a number one goalie in the NHL because he's really only been in the league for one full season. Um, he's still to some degree untested. I, I like the chances of him passing whatever tests are put before him over the next few years. But, you know, until he does it for a few years, it will be fair to uh, to have some questions about him, and that will naturally hold down his earning power. If uh, if he plays the next three seasons at or above the level that he reached 
in 2019-20, I think he'll probably be in line for a pretty nice raise, especially if he would go on the market as, as an unrestricted free agent after, after the third year of that deal. Yeah, and I mean, he, he was a, the, star, the starter, the number one for like a brief, you know, when he was on his hot streak and putting up shutouts uh, repeatedly in the middle of the season. And he handled that workload well. But then, I mean, yeah, for, the, for most of the year, they did uh, have kind of like the 1A, 1B system with him and Murray. So, I mean, next season, is, is, is Casey to Smith the backup? And, like, can Jari handle that workload? Uh, and, like, you know, because the Smith wouldn't be taking as many games as, like, Murray did. No, I mean, you would think that maybe uh, Jari would play 55 or, or 60 games um, with uh, the Smith getting the rest. Um, no, the Smith. You know, there won't be a one A one B situation this season, unless something goes terribly off the rails for the Penguins. Uh, Casey DeSmith will very clearly be be the number two, and Jari will be the guy the Penguins count on to carry them as far as they're going to go. Yeah. So you're squashing all the hopes of everyone wanting Flurry back to Pittsburgh. <laughs> Uh, I mean, that would be wonderful from a uh, media perspective, but I just don't see, given their salary cap situation, how that could be made to work, even if Vegas would donate him to you and pick up a, a nice chunk of his cap hit. It's uh, The Penguins are just too close to the cap ceiling that unless they make some dramatic moves to clear a lot of space, it wouldn't work. And I don't know that Flurry is, is ready quite yet to accept uh, being a backup. You know, that was a big part of the reason that he wanted to, uh, to move on three years ago, that he, he accepted being exposed to Vegas in, in the expansion draft. Um, and I, I don't think he's ready to uh, be the guy who comes and, and plays 20 or 22 games in a season. So it's really hard to imagine that unless there's a radical change in the landscape that that flurry will uh, make it to Pittsburgh more than once or twice next season as a visiting player yeah Jari into Smith that's what it's gonna be all right so the Penguins aren't done making moves yet and it seems like the biggest one uh that's going to be made is after the Jari signing is that they're gonna have to move Matt Murray um and I mean it's Good, good. It's a busy week coming up. I mean, the draft coming up, you figure that's when a lot of these moves might be made prior to the draft, um, you know, if picks might be involved. So, uh, Dave, what, what have you heard about Matt Murray, and uh, do you think that could happen soon? Well, after the uh, Jari signing became official, uh, Jim Rutherford said that his number one front burner issue uh, was getting a, a Matt Murray trade done. Obviously, that can change. Uh, the priorities can be shuffled if another team comes in hot after a player that uh, Rutherford is willing to part with. But it makes sense. I mean, there, there's no point in having any drama with, with Murray. It's pretty clear-cut that he will be the, the goalie who's moving on. Uh, I think most of the uncertainty is caused by the number of goaltenders who are on the market and going to be on the market in, in coming days, uh, including when free agency gets going, uh, and the number of teams that are looking for, for goaltenders. 
there's it's going there's going to be a lot of uh, musical chairs being played and uh you know rutherford on one level probably has an upper hand on a lot of his peers because as he likes to point out he can offer a guy who's in his mid-20s which means he should in theory be approaching his prime who already has two stanley cup rings uh there aren't a whole lot of those guys available but you know there's i suspect that uh gms are going to be making uh a lot of phone calls to a lot of their peers seeing what they can get and, and what the price will be and uh perhaps once a couple of the goaltending dominoes begin to fall we'll see a lot of others follow in quick succession but it, it's really hard to say this is a a situation you just don't see anything like this very often in the nhl yeah so do you think it might be difficult to move murray um you know at the draft or prior to the draft then because um, I mean, guys like Lundqvist and Holtby are going to be hitting free agency. So do you think maybe, um, you know, because uh, GMs looking to acquire goalie in a trade might wait until those free agency dominoes fall? And, and if they are able to move Murray in the draft, I mean, what kind of, you know, if they are going to look to trade up and get a pick for him, I mean, what, what, what value does he have there? Well, that's kind of hard to say because, you know, if they want to do something like say, <coughs> Jack Johnson in a trade with Murray. Uh, obviously, you'd have to have a trading partner that had salary cap space to burn that wouldn't mind uh, using some of it on, on Jack Johnson. But if, if you make taking a contract uh, part of the deal for, for the other club, you're probably going to lower your return. Uh, I would think that, that if Murray was traded straight up, you know, it, it's really hard to say because this market is going to be so volatile, but I'd say they could probably get a second round draft choice for him under normal circumstances. I mean, a, a lot of that will depend on, on what kind of goaltender teams are looking for. If you're looking for an older, established, proven guy um, to be your backup, maybe a guy like a Henrik Lundqvist, you know, would suit your needs. If you're a, a rebuilding team like an Edmonton that has, uh, you know, a, still a, a pretty young core and you would like a goaltender uh, who could maybe uh, handle those jobs uh, for, for eight or 10 years and you like Matt Murray, you know, a guy like that might be your, uh, your preference. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of variables in play here. Yeah, and I mean, you mentioned it, but unloading Jack Johnson is another thing a lot of people are talking about. Because I mean, they have so many lefty, and uh, Johnson is not one that you can put on the right side. You probably don't want to go into this season with uh, Matheson Johnson as your, as your third pairing. That sounds awful. Um, and I think we kind of saw like a little bit of, of what that would cost unload when the um, – the Rangers traded Mark Stahl because they needed to unload his contract. Another uh, older defenseman who's making a lot of money. Uh, he, he has one year left on his contract at uh, $5.2 million, I think it was. And they traded him to Detroit um, along with a second rounder for future considerations, but nothing. So they, they paid Detroit a second rounder to take Mark Stahl. And if <clears> – <throat> um, if it costs a second rounder to unload Mark Stahl one year, 5.2, I mean, 
Uh, I, I don't know what it would cost to unload Jack Johnson three years left at, at 3.25. Um, I mean, if, if Detroit, Detroit does, they have an opening at lefty D and uh, Iserman did say after the stall trade that uh, they could be um, in the market for more moves like this. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, but I mean, it, that, that complicates things. If you want to include Jack Johnson in a deal, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also possible the Penguins could retain, you know, some of Johnson's salary if, if that would make it more palatable to, uh, you know, to, to another club, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, you're, you're asking a team to, uh, take on up to a you know at a ten and a half million dollar cap hit over over the next three years or a ten million dollar cap hit over the next three years so you know that that won't be easy but you know it's it's possible that uh in fact i don't doubt that there are some gms out there who really think that that matt murray can get his game back to the level it reached when uh when he was uh winning stanley cups here and if so, if you can get a goaltender who can do that, taking on Jack Johnson's contract or even just a part of it uh, seems like a small price to pay. All right, Dave, free agency opens October 9th. So this week, quick turnaround after the draft. Um, the Penguins still have a couple RFAs of their own that they have to make decisions on if they want to qualify. Um, on the NHL roster, there's three forwards, Anthony Angelo, Sam Lafferty, and Dominic Simone. Um, I mean, I, I know you talked to Rutherford. What did he tell you about those, those guys and the chances of qualifying them? Well, a while, a while back, the plan and the Penguins had more pending restricted free agents uh, than just those three at the time. Uh, but Rutherford said uh, then that, that the plan was to extend qualifying offers to all three. Um, just so that the, the Penguins could retain their rights. And he noted that he could offer two-way deals to Angelo and Lafferty, which, you know, um, I won't be surprised if, they, if he does. Uh, it doesn't mean that they, they ultimately will accept them. Um, but, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Uh, there seems to be some sentiment now that perhaps – they won't extend a qualifying offer to Dominic Simone uh, simply because of concerns about what he could get if he would take them to arbitration, uh, you know, with their salary cap situation, if they would get stuck with a, uh, a contract that they deem unreasonable, it could cause lots of problems for them. Um, obviously, Mike Sullivan is a big Dominic Simone fan. Um, and he has a proven ability to play up and down the lineup, even if he's not the kind of goal scorer that you like in a top six situation. So even if they would not extend the qualifying offer to him, I would expect them to move fairly aggressively to try to re-sign him. Yeah, he's the only one of those three that um, have arbitration rights. Uh, I think Lafferty, Angelo, pretty straightforward. Uh, so, like, the Penguins have two point, about $2.6 in cap space right now. Um, not really enough for all three of those guys. But um, Lafferty and Angelo don't have to start on the NHL roster. Both of them, um, they're still exempt from waivers for one more season. So, they could resign them, um, start them out in Wilkes-Barre or 
one or both of them until they need them. But yeah, I mean, uh, Simone, I, I think uh, like a lot, you know, people don't like him in the top six. He really should be in the top six, but I think right now the top six is pretty uh, set. You're not, Kapanen's up there, Zucker's up there, you know, Rustin Kenzel, those are your wings. Uh, so I don't see where he would fit in unless someone is injured. And in that case, he, he can, he stepped in there and filled in fine before, but I mean, he really does belong on like that kind of third line role. They do have an opening there, but. Yeah, the third line, you know, rebuilding that third line, I think is going to be one of the real priorities for this off season. And I, you know, if uh, you want to slot Simone into one of those wing spots, you know, I think you could do a lot worse if you have him and uh, Jared McCann, then all of a sudden you're just looking for one more piece to, to fill out that line. Um, so, you know, I, I, as I say, I, I fully expect them to try to bring him back, whether they, uh, you know, qualify him by the, by the deadline or not. Um, but I mean, you, you never know. There, there are so many moving parts and will continue to be, you know, I think probably right through the off season. That's uh, so why I, I probably don't want to zero in too much on any specific personnel move or any snapshot of their salary cap picture, just because I think so much will change between now and the start of training camp, let alone uh, the start of the season or even, let alone even more the trade deadline next year, which is, you know, what really matters when, when your roster, you know, has to be set. Yeah. And then just to touch on it, the UFAs, I mean, the three of them, good is gone. Schultz, we know he's gone. Uh, obviously, uh, Patrick Marlowe, Connor Sherry, not coming back. So it really, it's just these guys. Um, and the only kind of borderline guy, like the Fords that did, did spend some time in, in Pittsburgh, but were primarily Wilkes-Barre guys. Um, uh, Adam Johnson, Thomas DePaulie, they're both uh, UFA group six. So they, based on their age, they, they would have been RFAs, but because they didn't play in, so they're, they're between the ages of 25, 26, and they didn't play in any NHL games. So um, Penguins basically lose their RFA rights, and now these guys are UFAs. Um, both of those, I, I think they're good depth guys to have in Wilkes-Barre. I don't know if um, necessarily will be resigned. I mean, if they don't, I don't know. Uh, who else they have in there that could come up other than Militech uh, next season? So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I never heard anything to the effect that those guys were unhappy with their places in the organization. Um, you certainly can't blame them if, if they explore to see what's out there. If, you know, if Adam Johnson can get a one-way contract from, from somebody, you know, he'd be crazy to, to not take it. Uh, but if all things are equal and they uh, project both project as bubble guys wherever they would be next season, I think there's at least a reasonable chance that they they would elect to uh, come back to the Penguins. If you know the the way the Penguins promote guys from their farm team, I think is a pretty good selling point for minor leaguers that that they're able to see that that they're if they their performance merits it, that they're going to get a chance to, uh, to show what they can do with, with the parent club. Uh, Penguins aren't shy about bringing up guys from Wilkes-Barre. And, uh, you know, if a guy thinks that all he needs is a chance and the Penguins are the kind of team that's willing to give that to him, 
that would certainly seem to work in their favor. Yeah, I mean, Adam Johnson, he was up here a little bit, and I'm, I, he, he looked good. And he, he really looked good in um, training camp with, um, like, Militech, Angelo. Like, those guys all kind of played together, and I, I thought they looked – Lafferty, they, they looked good. Uh, DePauly, he wasn't one of the guys invited to the, to the bubble, and he um, – so I don't know if that speaks to if, if uh, they want to bring him back. But uh, given his injury history, I don't think he would – really find anything better elsewhere I don't think he's injury prone but he just hasn't had really enough of a enough time uh <laughs> consecutively to to show uh what he can do and I mean he only played two two NHL games I'd I'd, I'd have him back for Wilkes-Barre I thought he was great for Wilkes-Barre yeah but, and they were limited on how many guys they could bring to that training camp before the uh, the qualifying round so I don't know that he should take that as any great personal affront. I don't know that anybody expected him to make the uh, make the team that that went to Toronto. So, you know, again, if if he can get something better from some other organization, you know, he should take it. But otherwise, there are worse places to play than Wilkes-Barre and worse organizations to be part of than than the Penguins. Yeah, and then so after, you know, the dust settles with all their own free agents, is, is there any position that they really can afford to target in free agency when it opens on, on the ninth? Well, only if they've opened up some salary cap space by then. Um, as it is, they're, you know, they're very tight up against the cap. They probably wouldn't have enough money to, in fact, almost certainly wouldn't have enough money to retain the three RFAs that, that they have at the moment from their, from their major league roster, uh, let alone to go outside the organization. Now, if they're able to make a trade or to move Jack Johnson's contract and get a little bit of cap space, perhaps they'll be able to make a move in free agency. But I, wouldn't hold my breath. I, my, my guess is that unless there's an awful lot of action involving the Penguins over the next couple of days before enduring the draft, that Jim Rutherford will be keeping a, a fairly low profile when, when free agency gets going at the end of the week. Oh,